want to go on with our questions. We still have, man, I got a bunch of questions. Let's see. Amen. So tonight we're going to go into some more questions. Last week we talked about judging. Thank you, ushers. Amen. Did everybody get a clear understanding now? If I were to ask you, uh, are we supposed to judge? There you go, right? Uh, but before we judge, what do we do? We look at ourselves, right? And we make sure that our information is what? Accurate. Amen. You can't tell. Now listen, you can't tell somebody to do something that you ain't doing yourself. I know that's a no-brainer, but here's the other part to the story. If you see someone that you say you love, amen, caught in a sin, what must you do? All right? You go to them, what, in the spirit of what? Gentleness, right? And then you say to them, listen, you know, hey, um, you, you know, you may want to look at that. You follow what I'm saying? Don't be the one who participates in the sin through silence. Lord have mercy. You hear what I said? Don't participate in the sin through what? Silence. And don't, listen, don't be afraid to not be liked by that person. Because let me tell you something, when a person is caught up in something, hmm, I'm going to deal with that on Sunday, but when a person is caught up in something, they may not want to hear the truth. Let me tell you something about addiction and depravity. When a person is living in addiction and depravity, it's very difficult for them to come to the understanding of where they are. Amen. And then when someone points it out, they may feel like it's an attack. That's why your approach, come on, say amen. Your approach has to be one with compassion. Amen. Because everybody's struggle is different. But the Bible tells us that, yes, I must judge my brother or sister. Because to watch you ruin your life, the blood is on my hands. Amen. Now, um, someone asked a question in difficult times. I find myself relying on my own strength. How do I trust God to work it out and not myself? All right. Go to Psalm 56. And so this question is loaded because oftentimes when things go a certain way, we revert back to trusting what? Self. Well, let me ask this question about self. Um, when you think about self, think about how you got there. How strong are you to deliver you? You know, I was watching this video last night uh, in this scripture where David said, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And this teacher was saying that you got to do this for self. You got to do that for self. Every now and then you got to go buy yourself something. Treat yourself. That ain't what the text was saying. When David said he encouraged himself, what he was saying was he was strengthening himself in the Lord. And so when, when, you, when, when difficult times come, you have, to, you have to look at how you respond. What is your response? Always. Right? So, like, what is your normal reaction? Pay attention to that first. Okay? So, write that down. Pay attention to your normal reaction. Because when difficult times come, what do you do? Do you panic? You call your mama? <laughs> Amen. What do you do? <laughs> You know what I mean? You, you go, you know, you, you know. I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. You know, what do you do in difficult times? And and let me say this: Will difficult times come in your life? Yes. Right? How many believe that? Right? But what do you do while you're enjoying good times? When you're enjoying good times, don't ever forget that there's a test coming. So as a believer, we have to realize that. 
First of all, here's what I ask everyone when, when, they, when they keep telling me they fall into this cycle of relying on their own strength. I'm just saying, like, like look how far your strength got you. Come on, somebody. Do y'all believe in the supernatural? Anybody here believe in the supernatural? No? I believe in the supernatural. I believe God is powerful. And the supernatural means that the things that you don't see. You understand what I'm saying? The supernatural. That's why it's supernatural. It's beyond what you can do. But it's not mysticism. Come on, somebody. It's not superstition. Amen. It's the fact that you understand that there's a God and he controls this universe. But the first thing you have to ask yourself this question is this. Is do you, number one, believe the Bible is true? Listen to me real good. The problem that we have when we struggle in difficulties is that we do not pick up this book. This is the last thing we go to. We may go to prayer. We may go to rebuking. Come on, y'all. We may go to affirming. But if you don't go to the word, it's going to be very difficult for you to really see your way out. All right? So Psalm 56 and verse 3 Well, let's go to verse 1. It says, be gracious to me, O God, for man has what? You see it? Fighting all day long, he what? He said he'd been trampled and he'd been oppressed. And then he gives the timeline for it. Then verse 2, he says, my foes, so he talks about being trampled, he talks about fighting, he talks about being oppressed, talk about difficulties, right? He says, my foes have trampled upon me, what? He uses this word repeatedly all day long. What is he saying? He's saying this is a constant, every day I wake up, every morning I wake up, I wake up with a struggle in my life. Come on, somebody. If I'm not fighting, I'm being oppressed. If I'm not being oppressed, I'm being suppressed. You follow what I'm saying? And so he says, well, what do I do? He says, he says, all day long. For, he says, for they are many who fight what? Proudly what? Against me. Now, this was David uh, when the Philistines, the Philistines had seized him in Gath. David now is in the enemy's camp and, and he's in trouble. But notice in his Difficult time. The key. Verse 3. Here it is. I'm sorry. He says, for they are many who fight proudly against me. Verse 3, he says, when I am what? What do I do? Okay. So to answer the question, your strength is limited. Remember that. You can only take you so far. And oftentimes, that's, what, that's our go-to. Our go-to is what I'm capable of doing, not what God is able to do. So we start relying on self. But he says, when I'm afraid, when I'm trampled, when I'm fighting, he says what? I put my trust what? In you. What is trust? <laughs> is trust believing or is that faith? <laughs> what you say right there? What what did you what did you just say? That's what the word means in the Hebrew. Confidence. That's what it means. It means that you're so confident in God that you're not, watch this, you're not believing anything else other than, yes, God is going to take me through this. 
It's difficult right now. It's tough right now. My strength has failed. You ever notice that your strength fails you every time? The, the, word, the word means to rely on. To have confidence. It, it's almost the cousin to hope. Hope is a confident expectation. Trust is a confidence, in, confident reliance. Get it. Write it down. Hope is a confident what? Expectation. Trust is confident what? Reliance. You know how we say, I don't rely on nobody? You don't want to say that. <laughs> no, I rely on somebody. I rely on God. Amen. Why? Because I understand that God is able. He says, he says look what he says. He says, when I'm a, when, look at when he, when he says he trusts God, okay? He says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Watch what he says next. He says, in God... Who's what? Okay, here's where a lot of us struggle. We put our trust in a God that we never seen before. But if you really want to see God, you have to go in his word. Because the word of God is the mind of God. And, and listen, God brags about David. There's no, there was never a man who lived like David. Even though David had some issues in the flesh, David's heart was always for God. David followed God. Listen to this. Listen to this. David followed God with all his heart. Solomon followed God with all his heart until he got, until he got to the end and he allowed some women to turn him foreign women, his weakness, women and wealth. And he stopped trusting in God and he started trusting in the wealth that God gave him. And then God even declares, there's no one like your father, David, who trusted in me. Are you with me? And so tonight, I, I just want you to understand that the way that you make it through those difficult times is by trusting in God, but also, look what he says. He says, I put my trust in who? In you, in God whose word I praise. So I say to you tonight, you, you have not only to trust God, but you have to trust his word. Watch what he says. He says, I put my trust, he says, in God, I, he says it again in verse four, he says, in God I put my trust I shall not be what? Afraid. Where did, he get the Where did he get the confidence from? Because he trusted in God and he trusted. If I could say anything to you tonight, I would say this. Trust God and trust his word. But here's the thing, saints. If you don't understand the word. See? If you're not familiar with the word. So what needs to happen is a consistent intake of the word of God, amen, Breakthrough Month showed you that. That if you have a consistent intake, some of you did, some of you didn't, but if you have a consistent intake of the word of God, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to start seeing yourself grow and develop. Are you with me? Watch what he says. He says, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? See that? He said, what can man do to me? Difficult times, the question was, I find myself relying on my own strength. How do you trust God? You trust him in his word. Amen. You trust his word. You have confidence in his word. Amen. Listen, so that means it has to be, it has to be regular. Can't be when you, just when you're going through. Are you following me? Watch what he says. Watch what he says. He says, all day long, they distort my what? Does this sound familiar? Yeah. And all their thoughts are against me for what? They attack. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited to take my life because of the what? Wickedness cast. Because of wickedness, he says, cast them forth in anger. Put down Put down the peoples, oh God. That's the impeccatory prayer right there. 
Amen. But here's the thing. The point that David is saying that I am going to trust the Lord. Go to verse 10. Verse 10 says, in God whose word I praise. In God whose word twice. Twice. What did he say? In God whose word I what? Praise. He says, in God whose word I praise. And I just want to encourage somebody here today to let you know that it's really important that you learn how to praise God through his word. Are you following me? Amen. Isn't God awesome? Isn't God, isn't God awesome when you think about the fact that he gave us a word and that word is what's going to bring us through. But here's the other part I want to show you real quick. I want you to go to James chapter 1 for me. Very familiar passage. Very, very familiar passage. You've heard me, you've heard me talk about this for a while and then I stop talking about it and then I go back to it. But it's really my go-to passage. James chapter 1 is really my go-to passage um, because sometimes I forget that while I'm going through difficulties, that it's a test. Are you with me? Here's what I want to say to you. James here is talking to the 12 tribes who have been dispersed, the Jewish people. They were attacked by Nero. And, and, and they were persecuting Christians at this particular time. But look what he says. He says to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, he says, greetings. Verse 2. He says, consider it all joy. Now, let me, let me break it down for you real quick. When difficult times come, now this word consider in the Greek, if you have a King James Version, it means to think. What's the first thing we lose in, when, we get, when we get into difficulties? What's the first thing we lose? Huh? Right. Where, where does all of the anxiousness come from? In your mind. Okay? The word there in the Greek, it, it, means, it means to think. But the word also means to govern. To be a governor. You know what a governor does? We'll see what Abbott does. <clears throat> governor Hot Wheels, we'll see what he does the next, the next, the next years here. We'll see what he does. But, but, but check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What does he do? He governs. He rules. What does he do? Well, what a governor supposed to do, right? He governs. He he sets what? He sets standards. He sets rules. He passes laws. And so what God is asking us to do in the midst of our trials, in the midst of difficulties, is to be a governor over your thoughts. But watch this. What is a governor? A leader. Lord have mercy. See, this is where we miss it. What happens in, what happens in difficulties, we stop being a leader in our thinking. See, that's, that's, that's primarily what, 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 what James is trying to say. James, who's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Check this out. He didn't start believing in Jesus until Jesus was raised from the dead. So all his life living with Jesus, they lived in the same house, wore the same clothes, all that kind of stuff, played with the same toys. He didn't believe. Man, you crazy. You can't be the God of this world. But now, See how God can change you? Lord, have mercy. He didn't believe before, but now he believed. Why? Because he saw his own brother. You could be so close to Jesus and still don't believe. That's the point. But what do we do in difficulties? We have to realize that we have to be governors over our thoughts. Leaders. What is a leader? What is a leader? One who makes decisions that affects, watch this, not just themselves, but everybody that's following you. Check this out. 
When you make a decision in the midst of your difficulties, just remember who you're taking down with you. Because that one decision can cause a trickle effect on everybody else. So, so what he's really saying when he says consider it, he says, I want you to be a leader. I want you to lead your thoughts. Think like a leader. Make decisions like a leader. No, you don't get to check out today. But look what he says, though. He says, consider it all joy. It's interesting to me that um, joy in the context of trials doesn't fit for me. I don't ever see any joy in what I'm going through. But he's not talking about that kind of joy. He's saying, don't lose yourself. Don't become so consumed by what you're going through that you lose your thoughts and your thinking that, watch this, the one thing that God, see, here's the thing. Joy is not predicated on your circumstance. I, I, I can tell a joyful person. I can tell a joyful person. That's what that, the word really means, just be joyful. Not because of the situation, but because of who you are. Before the trial. People walk around just tore up. Why would you let a situation take the joy that God gave you? That the Holy Spirit produced in you? Y'all better hear me tonight. I get it. Things may not go the way I want it to go. But why would I allow whatever is going on externally to affect me internally? If in God, in God's word I praise, and if in God I trust, Confident what? Reliance. Come on and help me, y'all. He says, consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter what? Various trials. Now, the word various, the word there is makarios, and it means to be surrounded by multicolor trials. You ever see an umbrella that have all these different colors on it? Let's bring it closer to home. Remember, you know how the bill go from pink to yellow to nothing, and then they cutting it off? See, those are warnings. But watch this. What he's really saying is you got to look at the severity of your trials, and you have to re realize that in this life, you're not going to live without trials. I don't care who you are. You can tell me, oh, I'm good. I'm great. Oh, you're going through something. Them the ones I be watching. <laughs> oh, I'm great. Nah, I know something going on in your heart. I already know because the way you said it. Because <laughs> you didn't say good, you said great. And so I want to know what you're greatly going through. <laughs> See, because when you're surrounded by stuff you can't change, you got to think like a leader to get the way of escape. That's the key. But you will not get the key and the way of escape if you don't get in his word. Watch the text. When you encounter various trials, verse 3, this is why you can't lose your head. Verse 3, watch this. Knowing that the testing of your what? So I want to say to the person that asked this question, uh, your difficult time is not a difficult time, it's a test. And if you see that test repeated over and over again, it means you ain't passing the test. That's what it means. It means that you got to go through that again and again and again until you pass the test. 
God ain't just looking the other way and giving you a pass. You have to really pass. Look what he says. He says, uh, the testing of your faith. See, see how the Bible views difficulties? You got let me say this. Uh, in systematic theology, what we do is we look at what the whole Bible says about one particular subject. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm showing you systematically what God says in his word about how to handle difficulties. Check this out. He says the testing of your faith produces what? You know what endurance is? Yeah? The ability to what? The ability to last. That's the English definition. The Greek definition for the word um, endurance is the word hupomeno. The word hupomeno means to stay under something. Watch this. You ready? That word, in essence, it means patience. Can you imagine that God will take your difficult situation and produce in you and I patience? Problem with us, we lack patience. But, you know, let's just go a little further with this word, right? Um, you lift weights, right? <laughs> so when you lift weights, what happens? So the more weight I put on you, the more bigger you get, the more stronger you get, right? The more weight is pushed on you, the more you push back, what happens? You get stronger. I think, I think, I think uh, Justin illustrated this before, right? So here's the thing. Watch this. So think about, but think about what he says. But you have to be what? Patient. You can't go in the gym today and decide you want to get rid of that arm or that leg or that stomach or whatever that is that you're trying to get rid of. It's not going to happen tonight. Some people believe that if they buy the right clothes, put the bandana on their head, come on somebody, walk up in the gym and then look at the machine and say, ah, I ain't going on that one. <laughs> they look the part. Lord, have mercy. But you got to get in there and what you got to do is you got to get to what? You got to get to work. And the more pressure, watch this, life puts on you. He didn't say push back. Lord have mercy. Notice this. He didn't say push back. He says, Hupomeno. He says, stay under it. And while you're staying under it, you're thinking like a what? Ah. See, that's how you do it. That's how you don't trust in you. You have to be what? Patient. Your change is going to come in due. Can I tell you something? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I help you with something? You don't want to know one of the reasons why you haven't received what you've been praying so hard for. You ain't ready for it. Because you have not proven you can stay under some mess, but you want a blessing. And let me tell you what that word really, really boils down to. Watch this. Watch the text. It says, and let what? Patience have its what? Perfect results. Now, watch this now. As I said, sometimes what we try to do is we try to take shortcuts. So we start drinking stuff, you know, to, you know, get, get the edge. 
Come on, somebody. But, but in this game of life, the Christian life, there's no shortcuts. In other words, what he's saying, he's saying like, listen, stay under that mess until you've been perfected. Until you've been what? Perfected. But watch this. Stay under it until you have matured. But how do you know you've matured? Because the next time it happens, you're not responding the same way. You, you get what I'm saying? He says that the endurance, let endurance have its perfect results. Perfect what? Perfect what? Results. Let me ask you this. Have you seen any results? Now, you know, you get small gains. And then you get big gains. You, you see what I'm saying? You go for inches before you go for pounds. Right? And oftentimes, watch this, when we're under the trials, we don't see it because what we're looking for, we're looking for something big. And God says, listen, you, gotta, you just got in the game. You, you just started this journey. You haven't perfected this thing. But here's the thing. Oh, man, here's the thing. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He says, he says, he says, uh, let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be what? You may be what? What is he talking about? Perfect. So here's what I'm, here's what I'm really finding out about my trials, about what I'm going through, about difficulty, right? Here's what I'm finding out. Are you ready? My difficulty is designed to grow my, my what? My thinking. But it's also designed to grow my what? Patience. You writing this down as the outline. Okay? All right? But the other thing it's designed to do, you ready? To mature you. See, see here's the thing. Um, what I realize about us people, believers, we we kind of want to jump the line. We we want that ain't how it works. We have to mature. In other words, the stuff that you were tripping about last year, you, you know what I mean? You shouldn't be tripping about that anymore. And here's the thing. God is saying, listen, listen, listen. you got to be patient with you. You got to be patient with your process. But you also got, you can't be patient with God. God is God. What do you mean I'm patient with God? Come on, man. God, man, God, please be patient with me. It's the other way around. But watch this. But watch this. He says it matures you. God, Romans 8, 28 says what? Everybody should be reciting that right now. What does it say? Uh-huh. Give yourself a hand. Look at that. Y'all learn the scripture the whole year. Check this out. What we never see in difficulties is what it's designed to do. What God designs it to do. And what God does is takes your, that's what he says God works, all, that's called synergism. It's taking your good and your bad, mixing it together. Watch this. Right now, you know when you're whooping your child, you're like, you don't see it good in this right now? You may not understand why I'm doing this. Because I love you. <laughs> and in your mind, like, shoot, if this is love, I shoot, I don't want this. <laughs> you know, if love feels like this, I don't want it. But here's the thing. Here, here's the beauty about God. God, God takes your stuff 
how difficult it is right now. And he takes it and he says, just stay under that thing, man. Don't, don't trip. Don't trip. Don't retaliate. Don't do that. I'm maturing you. I'm making you better. I'm making you stronger. You're going to be a better person because of it. He says, so that you may be perfect and what? Complete. You see it? I, 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 I say this. I want to get to a place in my life. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, when we think about maturity, right? We think, oh, when a person's mature, they make better decisions. Right? They make good decisions. A mature person, amen, uh, you know, they, they, they handle their business. Right? And so what it boils down to is spiritual maturity. Your spiritual, material, your spiritual man or woman can handle whatever the external stuff comes at you. You can handle it in a mature way where you ain't got to fall out with nobody. You ain't got to trip with nobody. You're like, man, listen, I'm, listen, I ain't getting down there with you, but I'm going to take the what? I'm going to take the low road. But guess what? I'm going to always keep my head I'm going to be a leader. I'm not going to lose my mind because of this. You with me? Let, let me show you something. And you know what God, you know what God, you know, let me say this. You know what God wants from all of us? God doesn't want you in kindergarten your whole Christian life. Seriously. See, there's kindergarten and there's carnality. <laughs> and you got to decide, or, and then there's the nursery. And then there's pre-K. And You find what I'm saying? My point is this, as, as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, where are we? And guess what? Your test, your difficulties prove where you are. That's how you gauge where you are. This ain't hocus pocus, y'all. This is you saying, I'm relying. Okay, God, all right, I'm going to think like a leader. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to be patient, Lord. Yeah, I ain't got what I want right now, but guess what? I'm going to keep holding on. Because watch what he says. When you're a mature person, you will be complete and what? Lacking what? Lacking what? Lacking what? Nothing. Don't you want to live like that? You, you know what complete means? Content, not complacent. So whether I have a billion dollars or I have two dollars, it doesn't really matter because I'm a, more, I'm a mature person and I understand how life works. And my joy is not predicated on what just happened to me. People get thrown, man. They get thrown fast. Seriously, we'd be praising God. You go out here, something happened, you just throw it off. Everything you just learned just went out the window. Let me show you something. Go to Luke chapter 13. And I'm done. Yeah, listen, I guess I'm going to deal with one question. Luke chapter 13. But th these are good questions though. Um, 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 wait a minute. Okay, uh, let, let's go back um, to verse um, verse six. Okay, uh, now Jesus here is <laughs> he's talking to these these Jewish people and he's trying to get them to understand a few things about repentance and things like that. And, and I want to show somebody something about maturity. All right, about what this really means, spiritual maturity, what it really means to God. All right, so it says, and he began telling this parable, a man had a what? All right, you're the fig tree. You are the fig tree. All right. Which he had been, which had been what? In where? 
is church. And he came what? Came looking for what? So what does God expect when he plants you in the kingdom? Produce. What is he looking for? He's looking for growth. But he really, development. He's looking for maturity. He's looking for what? Fruit. Don't for a moment think that just because you hide and you're not involved in church that God ain't looking for something out of your life. Oh, he looking. This is Jesus talking. It's a parable. What's a parable? It's an earthly story that relates a spiritual truth. Watch what he says. He says, I came looking for fruit and on it and did not what? How is it that you could be a tree And you ain't got no fruit. Well, we understand. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's not your season. Come on, somebody. Maybe it just ain't your season just yet. Verse 7. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for what? Huh? Three years. So here's, write this down somewhere. From the moment you get saved, it takes three years for you to develop as a disciple. Three years. It's not a four-year school, it's a three-year school. <laughs> what God expects from every believer after three years is that you are maturing and that you are bearing fruit. I'll tell you about the fruit in a minute, but watch this. He said, well, you know what? I've been coming. He says, behold, listen, for three years I've come looking. Can I tell you something? God looks at every church and every member. And he does roll call and he does assessments upon our lives. You're not just sitting in a building, part of a church, just here. God is looking. Oh, he sent his son to die. And so the repayment is your life commitment to him and your maturity. There's some people who've been in church a long time. And they're just repeating the first year every year. They're still on this emotional high. They're still on this superficial high. That's why they can't dig into the word and start growing and developing what? And producing what? Fruit. Watch this. He says, I tell you, he says, behold, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any, look, 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 look at the exclamation, cut it down. Why does it even use up, now I'm about to make a statement here, okay? Don't take it personal. But if you look to your right and look to your left, you know, maybe after a while you won't see the same people. And it ain't because they decided to leave. Let, let, me say, let me say this about God. God's a God of grace, but he's a God of patience too. So maybe uh, what you're seeing is God cutting it down. And let me tell you why. Look what he says at the end of the verse. Why does it even use up? This, this is a scripture. 
So maybe you're sitting in somebody else's seat. Maybe you're standing in somebody else's place. And for 17 years of, as a pastor, I've seen people come and go. And I, watch this, I've watched God replace them. It's crazy. And it, it hurts my heart. But guess what? It's because they were not growing. Not producing. Watch this. And he answered and said to him, let it alone. Now, so here come the intercessor. Let it alone, sir, for this year too. So that's four years now. What I'm, what I'm asking you to do, he says, until I dig around it and put what? Fertilizer. You know what fertilizer is? Maybe you need some more word. Because you've been listening to Benny Hinn and, and all that other mess. See? And you ain't been getting real fertilizers fertilizer you ain't been getting the word so so watch this so your trials is designed for you to pay attention to how long and how far and how far you've come when next time you go through a trial i want you to look at yourself and say okay how far i've come how many years i've been in church am i growing am i moving from the back seat to the front or am i still sitting in the back You follow what I'm saying? Am I, am, I still, am I still wishing for something or am I going to God's word and saying, okay, let me read what it says here in John. Okay, God, I'm going to stand on this word today and guess what? I know I'm going to make it through this because guess what? I have enough knowledge now. See, a lot of us have knowledge, but we don't practice. But then you got to look at yourself and say, okay, how long it's been? How long it's been? Some people have been in church all their lives and still can't go through a storm. They still cave in under pressure. Look what he says. He says, he says, I'll put, he said, let me intercede now. Verse 9, he says, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, what? That's deep, ain't it? If you really want to try God, you have to try him in your difficult situations to see whether or not you have really developed. It's not, listen, Solomon, let me tell you about Solomon, okay? Solomon's wealth caused him to lose his mind. I have no problem with prosperity because I believe, here's what I believe about God, I believe he prospers us. But here's what I do believe about that, though. I believe that God's not so much interested in prospering you as he is growing you. Let me show you one other scripture and we go. Psalm 1, the last part of Psalm 1, because this ties into what I said earlier about using the word of God, okay? Look what it says here. Psalm 1. It says what? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of what? Let, let me say this. When, you, when you're going through difficulties, if you calling and getting advice from your boys, from whoever, you, you know what happened to the first king, Rehoboam, in, in, in 1 Kings? Rehoboam, rather than listening to the elders, he went and listened to his friends. He said, now, how should I rule these people? He said, whoop them. Beat them up, man. Like, make it hard for them. Why would you, why would you even, you, you did not want to listen. So here's what I'm saying. Here's, here's, here's what I'm saying about this, okay? You got to ask yourself a question. Where are you getting your advice from? He says, watch it. He says, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Watch this. Do not stand in the path of sinners. Watch this. Watch this. Now, this, this impedes your growth. Where you're getting advice from. You can go to a job and talk to everybody. Oh, God is good. God is good. And when it come down to you. <laughs> but watch this. Where you get your advice. But also who you're standing with. Watch what he says next. He says, and then what? 
sit in the seat of scoffers. Right? So what he's saying is, he says, listen, he says, watch this. You got to pay attention to the company that you keep. Because the people you hang with are the ones who will suck you dry. But also hinder your growth so that when God comes looking for fruit, can I ask you something? What are you going to give them this year? I'm saying, what are you going to give him this year? We got one month left. What are you going to give him this year from your life as far as fruit? He says, but his delight is in the what? In the law of the Lord. And in his law, here's, here's the key. Here's the key right here. This is how you mature. He meditates when? So he doesn't just read in the morning. When he goes home, he reads. Some of us, we just pick up our Bible. When? Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. But, but if I told you I have the formula for your success, would you do it? Would you do it? How many would do it? Here's the formula in verse 3. When you, when you meditate on God's word, meditate, regurgitate, it means to read it and read it and read it again. He says, he will be like a tree, what? Firmly planted by the streams of water, and which yields its fruit in the season, and its leaf does not wither, and there it is right there. Here it is right here. You ready? And in whatever he does. You're thinking like a leader. You got patience. You're spiritually mature. You're producing fruit. You've been fertilized because some of you are stagnated. But now you're meditating on God's word day and night. And then watch this. I'm watching you prosper. You know why you're prospering? Because you're mature enough to handle it. You see, Solomon's problem was this. He loved women more than he did God. That's what his problem was. But he didn't just love women. He loved foreign women. And those women caused him to walk away from his God. To serve their gods. See, here's the thing about God. God, God will give us warnings. But we got to take them. Amen? All right, y'all. I'm done. <clears throat>